Do you I mean, want common you know, sense, really, isn't it? And what? And after it all, is. everything they've done in the United Nations since they've, uh, since the Matrix has ever been aimed at, uh, it is all around us. Depleting the number of Even now, in this very room, with the eugenics program you can see it when you look out your window. Hey, everybody, this is uh, Johnny Bravo back. Another podcast. This is podcast 122, the sequel to 121. We're going to continue to dig this hole this rabbit hole we're going to chase this rabbit and we're going to see where it comes out but uh so far we've got uh, television and the flicker rate and the things that are going on there uh shifting you over from beta to alpha waves making you very receptive to their advertising but not just their advertising what else are they making you receptive to well obviously the news and we'll talk about the news in great detail later on but before we talk about the news we've already accepted the fact that the flicker rate is uh basically messing with your psyche. So uh, the question becomes, how did we get from John F. Kennedy and what ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country to Bernie Sanders screaming, free shit, free shit, everybody gets free stuff. Well, here's the answer, okay? Those are the people that are most susceptible to the programming. But let's keep talking about the programming. So now the television has you in the state of your alpha waves where you're, every, you're highly receptive to whatever information you hear. And what you're going to hear is uh, impacting you. Oh, gosh. Uh, I, I want to talk to you about how it's impacting you. It's called the Sapper-Whorf Language Relativity Hypothesis. Uh, I touched on that uh, for uh, just briefly in the podcast 121, and I also talked to you about the food and water contaminants and the air contaminants, and that's where we're going to go. But before we get to the food and the water and the air, let's talk about they've got you in this uh, condition where you're highly receptive so how does the Sapper-Whorf language relativity hypothesis figure in? Well, first of all, I want to tell you who this is. Uh, what, well, what it does is it's a theory, and it tells you that what you hear uh, predisposes you to see things in a certain way, like firemen uh, makes you think of a man, according to this hypothesis. Uh, Indian chief makes you think of a man because of the conditioning that you've seen and the association between the figure that you've seen and the, and the terminology. So when you say fire chief, you think of a man uh, because of that. And so what it does is it really says that your subconscious is sometimes uh, manipulated by the, the way that language is structured. Now, the guy that, that helped come up with this, well, there's two guys here. One of them is Edward Sapper, and the other one is this really interesting person named Benjamin Lee Worf. And I want to talk to you just for a second about Benjamin Lee Worf, because this guy might be one of the smartest men that ever lived, seriously. And if you ever want to take uh, time and, and do some research on Benjamin Lee Worf, then knock yourself out. He died in 1941, and he was... Uh, they say he was an American linguist, but he wasn't. He went to MIT, and he has a chemical engineering degree from MIT. So, bing, 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 smart guy already, right? Uh, but his, his career and his, his profession was fire prevention engineer. And he specialized, probably, I would imagine, through, chemical, uh, uh, through the chemical industry. And, you know, at the time, he, would go, he worked for Hart, Hartford Fire Insurance Company. Now, now listen, Hartford... <laughs> Guys, you can't, I know this This is going to sound really, uh, first of all, yes, I'm a conspiracy theorist, and if you're not, you're not awake, but um, Hartford has been long linked to uh, an association with the CIA funding uh, or feeding information and statistics to the CIA, like who, who lives where and 
how much money they have and what their what their possessions are and just data you know the the CIA information has been collected on people at a massive rate since the very beginning of time and um, so this guy the, the first red flag that I would get that he might be related to the uh, CIA is the fact that he worked for Hartford and that he went to MIT that's two uh, indicators he may have been associated with uh, the intelligence agencies and then you get into this, uh, the rest of his 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 uh, his career, and it almost screams at you that this guy is working for the national security agencies. One of the stories about him was that he walked up to this uh, secret chemical organization that was working for the military, and he walked up to the guy and he said, "I'd like to see your plant." And the guy said, "You can't tour the plant; it's all secret. What we're doing here is secret." He pulls out a piece of paper, he writes down a chemical formula, and hands it to him. And the guy looks at it and goes, what the hell is this? He goes, that's what you're doing. He goes, how do you know? And he said, because it's the only way you can do what you're doing. So this guy is so smart that he can like totally disassemble things. But he got into the language area. Uh, oh, gosh. I, I, I don't even know where to start with all this. He, he, he started studying more than just chemical engineering, obviously. He started studying linguistics, and he really started getting into the concepts of cryptography and hidden language in hieroglyphics and Mayan uh, hieroglyphic writing and, like, secret stuff that was hard to decode. It's like this guy had this decoding brain, you know? And I got to tell you, my, my experience over the years of research is that when you go to the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and you have this ability to uh, encrypt or decrypt information, you become, uh, <laughs> you become highly sought after by the ABC agencies, CIA, NSA, uh, DARPA, all of these things. So um, this is where it gets really hairy. He goes in, he starts working with cryptography and he does this thing called Worf's Law where he starts to look at historical historical linguistics and he says subconsciously these people that are encrypting and decrypting are doing this because they too are predisposed and the example he uses is the Hopi Indian language and he starts to study the Hopi Indian language and in the Hopi Indian language he says like they don't have a term for past present or future it's just whatever it is it is and um so he begins to study the Hopi language. He finds it very interesting. He, he had already gone through Hebrew in the Bible and several other languages. I mean, this guy truly is a very smart person. But uh, he goes back to Yale after MIT and starts to really tune in his study for linguistic theory. He studies the Hopi language in detail. And guess what happens uh, a few years after he dies? We have World War II. And I uh, don't know whether you remember or not, but have you heard of the uh, Hopi Code Talkers? <laughs> yeah. So right after he dies and after he studies and publishes his work on the Hopis, they take and hire 10 Hopi Talkers that served the United States Army. It's uh, Franklin Shupa, Warren Kayajowapata, Frank Chapella, Travis Yavia, Charles Lameka. Anyway, there's, there's, there's basically 10 of them that served in the Army and the Army Air Corps and really uh, were the key to World War II because they could speak to each other and communicate and the Germans and, and the rest of the world could not decipher what they were doing because their code language was really completely unrelated to the code languages of all the rest of the world. Like I said, for example, they had no past, present, or future. 
So to try to use our subconscious ability to decode didn't work with them, and he knew that, and he proposed that. So the fact that that was used in the military and somehow they got all that information from him tells me he probably ended up working with uh, the alphabet agencies. But that's neither here nor there. Let's move on to the water, the air, and the uh, food and the contamination that we talked about. Because I told you, they're not just messing with your mental psyche on the television, okay? And they're not just using the Saffir-Whorf language relativity hypothesis to manipulate you subconsciously. They are literally messing with your air, your water, and your food. You know, when, when I said that in podcast uh, 121... A lot of people said, oh, Johnny Bravo's a nutcase. He's just gone off the deep end. And, you know, for many years, I would not get involved in chemtrails. People said, oh, yeah, it's too much, too much for me. And you know what? It was too much for me, too. Until I one day ran across a video. And uh, this video uh, really got my attention. And I want to just let you hear the audio portion of John Brennan addressing that he's the director of the CIA under Obama. He's a Muslim and he's a communist. And I have a video on that that I'd be more than happy to share with you if you'll email me or if you ask about it. Or you can go to John Bouchel on YouTube and find that channel and then uh, find the uh, YouTube on John Brennan asking. uh, It says, uh, John Brennan, please tell us about killing Michael Hastings and Seth Rich. And yeah, I believe he did, but we'll get to that later. But right now, this is John Brennan, the CIA director, talking to the Council on Foreign Relations, and I want you to listen to what he's got to say. It's mind-boggling. So we'll set that up right now, and we will run it, and let's see if we can pick up him talking about chemtrails and geoengineering. John Brennan, CIA director. Another example is the array of technologies often referred to collectively as geoengineering, that potentially could help reverse the warming effects of global climate change. One that has gained my personal attention is stratospheric aerosol injection, or SAI. Okay, folks. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what to tell you about this, other than, let's see if I can go ahead and see if I can see if I can get to any other any of his further comments he did mention some other fully things. deployed SAI program would cost about 10 billion dollars yearly how do you know as promising as it may be moving forward on SAI would also raise a number of challenges for our government and for the international community on the technical side greenhouse gas emission reductions would still have to accompany SAI to address other climate change effects such as ocean acidification because SAI alone would not remove greenhouse gases from the atmosphere. On the geopolitical side, the technology's potential to alter weather patterns and benefit certain regions of the world at the expense of other regions could trigger sharp opposition by some nations. Okay, this is where I want to end end this, and I want to talk to you for just a second about this. We have seen catastrophic uh, weather forever. Okay, but in recent history, the flooding in the Midwest, the amount of hurricanes, the amount of earthquakes, the things that we've witnessed, folks, I don't know whether you're aware of this or not. First of all, what you just heard was was done in 2016. Okay, almost four years ago. Uh, And I want to tell you something that I know from working for the NSA and everybody else. You don't hear about anything unless it's already been going on for about 30 years. Okay, 
if you think this isn't going on, you're crazy. And if you want to know for sure that it's going on, Russia admits it openly that they are doing it. China admits openly that they are doing it. And I have video of these aerosol injectors being placed on uh, passenger jets and, jet and, and jets that are being used in America. It is being done here, folks. And some of the results of that are catastrophic. You know we've done cloud seeding. You know that exists. I am telling you right now that they are screwing around with your air. And if you want to know what they're putting in there, I'm going to let you do some research and find out yourself. Because when you find out what it is that they're adding and you find out that it's a toxin, what's even worse? Listen, what's even worse? They call it, by the way, stratospheric aerosol injection, S-A-I, stratospheric aerosol injection. The conspiracy theorists call it chemtrails, okay? You can go to Wikipedia and look up stratospheric aerosol injection and find out a ton of information, okay? But what they're trying to do is they're trying to basically recreate that cloud that's made like when a volcano erupts and knocks out the sun for a few days and drops the temperature of the earth. Oh, my God. First of all, let me just tell you this, all right? I have a master's degree in science. I'm not just shooting off the side of my hip here, but I'm going to tell you something. Man-made climate change is bullshit. Okay, it's bullshit. Global warming is bullshit. When I was in uh, elementary school, they used to have weekly readers, and I was they were scaring the hell out of us, telling us that the new ice age was coming, that we were going to all freeze to death, that the sun was burning out, that the earth temperature was dropping, okay, that we were going to be covered in ice. All right. Now, you know, I watched in my lifetime, I've seen it go to global warming, and the man is killing the earth. Folks, if you put everybody in... Do you know that you could take the population of the earth and put them in Texas? Did you know that? You could take the population of the earth and put them in Texas. We're not overcrowded. This is all a part of the eugenics program from the United Nations. That's all they've been about since the very beginning is controlling the population. And the fewer people they are, there are to control, the easier it is to control them. Kill as many as you can. What do you think Bill Gates does? Oh, we have so much to talk about. But let's uh, let's let's move on. All right, you, you, I, I, I'm telling you right now, stratospheric aerosol injection. Yes, they're screwing with your air and weather, so that takes care of the air. Now, I also told you they were messing around with your water and your food supply. So let's talk about the water. What is the mo one of the most common contaminants in water? It's a product called glyphosate. Do you know what glyphosate is? A lot of you probably know it under the trade name Roundup. An herbicide. It was. Uh, it's uh, Monsanto owns the patent, and and well, they did. I mean, let let, let me let me update you on that. Monsanto has sold uh, glyphosate. They've sold Roundup to Bear. They've sold it to Bear because they had two thousand four hundred lawsuits and counting against them as of June two thousand eighteen, and. Uh, they're losing them, and they're losing billions because people are dying of cancer from exposure to glyphosate. Now, here's the problem with glyphosate, and it is in your water. It's in your drinking water. It's in the groundwater. A lot of things become diluted when they get into water. That's not really how glyphosate works. Glyphosate is attracted to dirt, to soil, okay? But when it's oversprayed or when it's washed off, into rivers and streams and lakes and ponds and so on, unlike most things that dilute and, and 
and break down in water. Water is considered in chemistry the universal solvent. Glyphosate has a tendency to be stable and not break down in water. So um, the fact that it doesn't, it doesn't degrade easily and it, that it gets oversprayed into water supplies and it, and it soaks into groundwater, it's going to get into the drinking water. And what does it mean for your health? It gets cancer. It creates cancer. Now, who would buy a company that produces glyphosate? Who would buy a company? What company would, would buy something like this in the middle of all these lawsuits? Well, first of all, if you understand how corporations work and protection from lawsuits work in America for corporations, then you'd understand that it makes sense that they would sell it and somebody else would buy it. But what's interesting is who bought it? Bear bought it. You know, Bear like Bear Aspirin. Nice, healthy household company, right? If you'll do a little research, you'll find out that Bayer came straight out of Nazi Germany, folks. Bayer is responsible for some of the chemicals that were used to kill the Jews in Nazi Germany. Bayer is nasty, nasty. Now, I'm not going to say they're as nasty as IBM and Watson. You know, Watson was the most decorated Nazi there was. He's responsible for, IBM is responsible for the numbers that you see on the arms of the Jews, the survivors from the concentration camps. Those are associated with computer punch cards. Yeah, that goes back that far, folks. That's right. And that's your IBM. And yeah, they're here. And we'll talk about that sometime. We'll talk about Operation Paperclip. But right now, I just want to tell you about your water. So you got glyphosate in the water that causes cancer. And now this glyphosate has been found in every organ of the human body. There are people, most people, up to 90% of the population has glyphosate uh, uh, residue in virtually every organ of their body. But wait, we're not done yet because there's, there's several, several chemicals. But here's another man-made chemical that's in your water, and it's called atrazine, atrazine, atrazine in your water. And it's tied to hormonal irregularities. Isn't it amazing how none of these things that we find are beneficial for us? Every one of them are causing cancer? Well, this one is unique because it doesn't just cause cancer. It keeps you from procreating. That's a wonderful thing if you believe in eugenics and you're part of the United Nations eugenics program. Atrazine in water. This is the thing that if you remember, um, Alex Jones uh, was widely criticized because he was talking about your water turning the frogs gay. Well, folks, that study came out of Berkeley, California. And the truth is, it does turn frogs gay. And the truth is, it does give women cancer and lower their rate of it, uh, of uh, of, uh, good God, of estrogen. Drew a complete blank there. Let me read you just a little, little quick little thing. Women who drink water contaminated with low level, levels of the weed killer atrazine may be more likely to have irregular menstrual cycles and low estrogen levels, scientists have concluded. The most widely used herbicide in the United States, atrazine is frequently detected in surface and groundwater, particularly in agricultural areas in the Midwest. Approximately 75% of all U.S. cornfields are treated with atrazine each year. The newest research compared women in Illinois to women in Vermont, and this has shocked the scientific community. The women from Illinois farm towns were five times more likely to report irregular periods than the women from Vermont. They were six times more likely to go up to six weeks between periods, and in addition, the Illinois women had significantly lower levels of estrogen during an important part of the menstrual cycle. 
tap water, and it goes on and on and on. But then it gets right down here and it says it's been linked to fertility issues, including altered hormone levels, delayed puberty, pregnancy loss. Do uh, you know what pregnancy loss is? But if you go down and you look at the effects of men, it lowers their sperm count. And in some of the uh, some of the animals, some of the animals that are, are residing in, particularly amphibians. Now, this report I'm, I'm I'm reading from comes from Scientific American. Okay, but anyway, some of the frogs, in fact, were not able to re uh, procreate, and they did, in fact, turn gay. If you want to use that term, but it turned the male uh, frogs into female frogs. Some to the point where they could actually produce eggs. Okay, so this is in your tap water, folks. This is another contaminant in your tap water. In the reproductive effects, one of the things it says is basically atrazine distracts hormones. It's 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 a it's a herbicide that, when exposed to, can can uh, dr drastically affect the reproductive system. It increases the risk of miscarriages. It causes abdominal defects, and it lessens male fertility and increases birth defects. It also now has been tied to cancer, particularly breast cancer and prostate cancer. Okay, so that's another thing that's in your water. And if you want to know how much, this is from 2012, by the way. And, and, so, and some of this, uh, the statistics I'm giving you are from uh, Berkeley, from Berkeley, California. So it's not like they're, uh, you know, some sort of conspiracy theorist advocate telling you that the water is going to turn the frogs gay. They're telling you that. That's where the study came from. And if you look at the widespread use of atrazine, along with the glyphosate, you'll find out that, and that's just two things, guys. I mean, let's talk about fluoride for just a second. Harvard just came out with a study in 2019 uh, that backed up a study they did in 2012 that said, hey, fluoride is going to decrease your IQ. Now, if you want to go to Chinese scientists, if you want to pull some of their documents, they've been telling you this forever. They don't use fluoride in, in Asian countries. They don't use it because they know it makes people stupid especially if pregnant women are consuming it. Now, here's something I want to say about fluoride, whether you like it or don't like it, that is a fact, and you just can't argue with this, okay? The reason we have fluoride, by the way, used to be uh, rat poison, and then after that it was used as, uh, as roach poison. Did you know that? Look it up, fluoride. So uh, then they start putting it in water. You know, it's a, it's a poison found anywhere it's it's found. It's a toxin and has to be uh, removed. Okay, so they dump it in your water supply. It makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? All right. So here, let me tell you this about fluoride. They say fluoride is effective in fighting cavities. Up to twenty five percent fewer cavities for the people that have fluoridated water. Do you understand what I'm saying? Twenty five percent. If you were going to have four ca uh, cavities, now you're only going to have three. If you were going to have two, then you've got a 1.6, uh, one, you're going to have one and a six-tenths of a chance that you're going to have another one. So you're probably still going to have two. And if you were going to have one, you're probably still going to have one. But that's okay, because if you were going to have four, now you're just going to have three. That's the benefit, right? Now, here's the reality. Fluoride only benefits your teeth while it is in direct contact with your teeth. Once you swallow it, it is of no value whatsoever to your teeth. It is, however, still poison and still toxic. Now, let's, let's think about this for a second. Children are drinking water, bottled water. They're drinking water in their formula, right? They're drinking water in their food. In fact, you can buy water for little babies, for children, in small little bottles. It's real cute. See, it says fluoridated. They don't have teeth, folks. They don't have teeth. They don't get the 25% fewer cavity benefit 
They don't have teeth until they're six or seven years old and they start to get permanent teeth. There's no point in even giving it to them whenever they have their baby teeth because they're going to lose those. They're going to fall out. They don't, they don't, you can't get cavities in baby teeth. They fall out first. So for the first six years of life, we're pumping them full of fluoride with zero benefit. Now, there is many, dozens, hundreds of studies, and now this one from Harvard, tying fluoride in your water to lower IQs. So you willing to have a child with lower IQs to prevent them from having one less cavity if they were going to have four? Not me. So there you go. There's three big things right there that are in your water. And you got about a 95% chance that these things are in your water. Filter your water, people. Okay? Atrazine, glyphosate, fluoride. I could go on and on. Some, some water supplies have up to 300 contaminants in them. So let's talk about your food now. All right, we talked about the air. We talked about the, 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 the uh, water. Let's talk a little bit about the food. What the hell is a GMO? What is a genetically modified organism? Oh, well, that's where you take a good tomato and another tomato and you put them together and you have a better tomato. No, that's not, no, no. That, that is, that's cross, uh, that, yeah, that's, that's a hybrid and that can be considered a genetically modified organism if it doesn't naturally occur. If it naturally occurs in nature, it's not a GMO, genetically modified organism. Did you know that America is one of the only countries in the world that does not require and mandate that you have your food clearly marked as being GMO, genetically modified organism? Genetically modified organisms. It can mean that they have crossed a spider with a goat to produce a silk to build body armor. Research it. It can mean that they crossed your tomato with a highly toxic fish from deep cold water that has bioluminescence because it doesn't, the fish doesn't freeze in temperatures below zero Celsius or 32 Fahrenheit so that that way the vegetables won't freeze in shipment or they'll not freeze out in the fields when it gets below freezing. That's a genetically modified organism. What does that do to your body? Who the hell knows? Who knows? What really upsets me about GMOs is that they don't tell us. You buy something, if it doesn't say non gmo this is a non-GMO project. If it doesn't say that on there, you need to just assume that it's a GMO. Okay? Now, some of the examples of what they consider high-risk, common GMO foods are alfalfa, canola, corn, cotton, papaya, soy, sugar beet, yellow summer squash, zucchini, animal products, micros and enzymes, potatoes. Those are the high-risk items. Those are, these, this is, these are things that are derivatives of or produced through a process involving organisms that are known to be genetically modified and commercially available. You could just assume if you're buying those things that those are probably genetically modified organisms. What's the effect of those on you? Don't ask me. I have no idea. They can only, you know, it may be fine. They're they may test it and say, this is fine. This doesn't do anything. And they may find out five years later that, you know what, it doesn't do anything to your whole body except that we found out that it absolutely kills your pituitary gland. Or they may find out that, you know what, this is perfectly fine for your whole body, but damn it, we just found out that, you know, it attacks your liver. But the whole rest of your body's fine. Who knows? 
but they don't tell you, and that's what upsets me. Now, how do they fight that? Let's talk about, remember the Safford-Whorf language relativity hypothesis? I want you to, to, Google, to Google sometime, or, or I hate Google, don't use Google, use, use DuckDuckGo or something else. But anyway, you start looking up genetically modified organisms, are they safe and things like that. And here's the word that you're going to hear over and over and over, extreme, 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 extreme opponents, extreme opponents, extreme opponents are wrong. Extreme arguments against GMOs are wrong. Extreme, 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 extreme. Now, do you think it's just by accident that a thousand articles appear on your search that have the words extreme in them? People don't all talk exactly the same, do they? Saffir-Whorf relativity, language relativity hypothesis, folks. So what are the top 10 contaminants in our food supply? Drum roll, please. Number 10, genetically modified foods. Number nine, contaminants from processing during cooking and fermentation of products. Oh my gosh, metals are, are metal chips, uh, little pieces of plastic, um, polycylic aromatic hydrocarbons that are ex uh, exhibited. Okay, animal drug and hormone residues, right? Right, where, where they're out giving hormones to the cattle so they can get bigger, bigger beef, right? They don't have to tell you about that. The bovine growth hormone is one of those that, you know, that, that was so bad. They pushed so much into it and in, into their supplies that Mexico started having little kids that were going through puberty at like three years old, two years old, and, and from pumping so many hormones into their cattle down there, you know. And uh, in fact, the, the, the hormone um, RBGH is, is the one that is, is most guilty. RBGH. Look it up. And uh, it was found in, in, uh, in milk. It was found in all the byproducts and in meat. Oh, gosh. Unfortunately, like a lot of the milk that's bought on wide scale, like for, for school lunches and stuff like that, it has it in there. Here's another one. Number seven, military sources, military sites. Guys, a true story. When I was stationed in Korea at Osan Air Base, we had the U-2 aircraft, and the U-2 aircraft would circle the uh, base and dump all of its fuel because it had to land empty. It had to glide in for a landing with no fuel on board. And so they would fly around us and they would just dump their fuel. And we would, sometimes you'd go out there and you'd be like, what the hell is that smell? Or you'd feel it on your skin and tingle and you'd wake up the next morning and you have big orange splotches on you. But even worse than that, we had jet air fuel buried in tanks below the surface of the earth and they would leak and sometimes we'd have to shut down the entire base water supply and everybody, there'd be no ice. And we would have uh, the cooked, everything would be pre-cooked stuff that we would eat. And it'd be paper plates and paper cups. And people would be at the infirmary in lines because of all kinds of symptoms, blotches, uh, blurred vision, all sorts of stuff. Because we were drinking the damn jet fuel and all the stuff in the jet fuel. So anyone anywhere near a military base, you can pretty much count on that. And that gets into food supply. So if you have a farm outside of a military base, huh, watch out. Packing materials, things that they're packed in, whether it's the tin can or whether it's a BPA plastic or whatever it is. But the number six cause is the packing materials. Number five is the agrochemicals like we talked about. The herbicides, the fungicides, the fertilizers, the rodenticides, the veterinary pharmaceuticals, the solvents, the fillers, the contamination that is on the soil from, from all the overspray. And then the combination of those things, right? 
Number four, heavy metals like mercury, lead, and others. Man, these things are almost impossible to get rid of. Mercury, it's in water. It's in our, it's in our vaccinations. That's our next trip, by the way. Uh, high fructose corn syrup, for example, okay? Uh, almost all of it has mercury in it. Mercury creates serious... You, you know, the mercury is a very heavy metal, extremely heavy. If you've ever felt it in your hand, I used to have it. And when I taught physics, I'd let my children let my students uh, hold the container and they were just blown away because it's actually heavier than lead. It's, it's as dense as lead, but it's liquid. And back in the day, the hatters, the people that made hats, used to pour it out onto the brim of the hat and they would just roll it around and around and around on that wet leather and it would, uh, it would flatten it out and make a nice brim of the hat, right? And so they handled that mercury so much that it got absorbed through their skin and it got into their brain, and it makes you completely crazy. It, it absolutely will make you crazy. It causes brain damage, deafness, and blindness. Have you ever heard the term mad as a hatter? That's where it comes from. So yes, mercury is in our, our food supply. Number three is industry and manufacturing waste. Need I say more? I mean, we've got industry out there that's breaking EPA laws left and right, and they're polluting the water supply. And again, this is very many times it's dioxins, it's mercury and it's lead. It's metals. Metals are almost impossible to get uh, rid of, folks. And once you have them in your body, you can't get rid of them. Unsafe sewage practices. Okay. Let me tell you something about some of these migrant workers that are out working in the vegetable fields. They don't stop for a bathroom break. Are you following me here? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? When they're out there picking lettuce and when they're out there picking carrots and when they're out there picking corn, they're shitting in the field, folks. All right. E. coli. You hear about the contamination all the time, and it's almost always vegetables because we have these migrant workers that are coming in here from third world countries, and they're getting paid by the bushel, and they're going to pick and poop at the same time, folks. And you get the unsafe sewage practices that lead to things like E. coli and clostridium and intercocci and all these other crap. You get parasites, all this stuff, okay? Terrible things, terrible things. All right, and then number one is bacteria. And bacteria comes from improper handling, not washing their hands, and so on and so forth. So that's some of the contaminants in your food supply. So guys, we've talked about them putting you in a state of, basically in a stupor, using the television. We talked about the Saffir-Whorf language relativity hypothesis and how they're manipulating your subconscious. And we've talked about how they contaminate the air, the food, and the water, okay? None of this is being told to you. And you know what we're going to talk about next? Yeah, we're going to breach the subject of vaccines. And wait until you hear this. And folks, if you want to get into a fight with the state, tell them you don't want, you, you don't want them to put something in your body and you don't know what the hell it is. Tell them you don't want to be forced, injected. You want to see a fight with the state. All right, folks, Johnny Bravo, that's number 122 in the can. We'll see you next time. If you don't spread the word, the word will not get out, folks. This stuff doesn't walk. you got to walk it out. God bless you. Stay patriotic and keep listening to Johnny Bravo. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth. Nothing. Just let me think.